0: Sayasla na run the Tela Habit, Wamra atu hamelatel Hat Robb Fiji, the Habe Lum Mim Mesad, Amri Sodri with Silly Emri, Wahlu Octa Tan Milisani, Yakahu Koli, Walhamdulilla, Wasalat Wasalamu, Alar We were making some concluding commentary about uh, Surah Lahab. And we were up to the last ayah, where Allah Azza wa Jalla mentions, in response to her uh, dedication to try to show animosity to the Messenger, sallallahu uh, wasallam, that she would spend even the most precious necklace she has, that she walks around with, that she swears by Allah, La ala adawati muhammadin, I swear I will spend it in uh, in my animosity against the against Muhammad sallallahu wasallam. But in addition to to all of this filthy character that she had when this surah was revealed. She came to the Prophet والسلام, and she said, Quraysh عَلِمَ bintu uh, Quraish knows that I am the daughter of its leader. So she comes angrily to the Messenger والسلام, looking for him. And from the, what the, how the narration goes, she, Abu Bakr as siddiq and Rasulullah والسلام, were sitting and she was coming. And it looked like she had a rock in her hand or something. And Abu Bakr Siddiq told the Messenger, والسلام, She's approaching. And you could tell that she's angry. The Messenger, والسلام, Told Abu Bakr, she's not going to be able to see me. Don't worry. And she came and she asked Abu Bakr, where's Muhammad? Where is he? Allah Jal blinded her eyes from seeing him, But when she came and she, you know, she was furious because the surah had come and it had humiliated her. You know, Hammalat al-Hhabab, and on top of that, Fijidi Ha Hablun min-masad, you know. These are things that were very aggravating and humiliating to her. So she started making poetry against the messenger himself, sallallahu alayhi wa before she left. And you know the messenger's name, Muhammad, comes from Hamd. Hamd. Hamd means someone, you know, Hamd is praise and gratitude. And so Muhammad is someone who is praised and someone who's thanked. This is Muhammad. The word "them" in Arabic, "them" dhal, mim mim double M, you can say right. "Them" in Arabic is condemnation, to condemn someone, to rebuke someone. She says, "Mudhammaman abaina." She didn't call him Muhammad, Ma'adullah. She called him mudhamm, the one who is condemned. We have, uh, she says, We are tired of him. She says, "We're tired of him. We, we we're done with him." "Wadinuhu abaina." "Wadinuhu abaina," rather. And his religion, we have rejected. We've turned away from it. And his rule, we will always disobey. So she makes this poetry against the Messenger, والسلام, when she, she, she barked what she had to bark and she left. And the Messenger was told what she said, and he, he was there too. He said she wasn't, he, she wasn't talking about me, she was talking about some guy named Mudammam, <laughs> Right? And this is how the Messenger, والسلام, and we learn something here about uh, uh, sabr and about letting things roll off your back. When a dog is barking, there's no wisdom in barking back, right? If a dog is barking at you, and you say, how dare you, and you start ruff ruffing yourself, it shows how smart you are. So if she's gonna run her mouth, there is no reason to dignify a response by saying, she's obviously not talking about me. And move on, let it brush off. Let it, let it move on. And you know, a lot of times, we don't learn this lesson. This is part of the seerah of the Messenger صحيح. People say obnoxious things, especially on, you know nowadays, You know, there's a fitna today that didn't exist before. Before people could say ridiculous things, absurd things, and they said them to their friend, they said them in a circle, and it died. Now they say them on a blog post. You know, now they post it in their comments, in the comment section on a YouTube video. And those filthy words and that stupid comment is not just there for a few seconds and it dies. Where is it? is there forever and ever and ever and people are writing their own ignorant responses to it how dare you say this or that it's like barking back at a dog just ignore it just ignore it they, they want nothing more than your attention you, you, you can't, you know when people speak obnoxiously when people speak ignorantly the worst thing you can do is respond the worst thing you can do because that's all they want they want your attention that's what they live off of they live off of conflict you don't give them that they don't get what they want you know and this is something Muslims, of all people, Muslims have to learn this. We have to learn this. We have to learn to be patient and recognize a bark for a bark. And an intellectual criticism for an intellectual criticism. When somebody actually has a genuine criticism to make, then we engage them in sophisticated, mute, you know, uh, uh, mature discussion. When clearly someone doesn't have the dignity to speak in you know, a, a noble and respectful fashion, then there's no reason to come down to their level. You should already be smart enough to know it's not going to come to anything. You know? anyhow moving along this uh, conclusion that allah azza wa jalla gives fi masad it leads us to some final commentary on this remarkable surah you know two themes are coming to a conclusion with surah lahab two themes one theme has to do with abu lahab and the other theme has to do with um jameel or you know this hamalat al hatab the title allah gives her right what is the theme with Abu hab You see, there are, you, could, you could categorize it easily as four different kinds of disbelievers. Four kinds of disbelievers. There's a friendly disbeliever. Believe it or not, there's such a thing as a friendly kafir. Let me g- give you an example from the seerah of the Prophet ﷺ. Mu'tam bin Adi. When the Prophet ﷺ was expelled from Makkah, he comes back under the protection of a man named Mu'tam who took his six sons and surrounded the Messenger والسلام, with their swords taken out. He's a kafir, his, his sons are kafir too. But they had some respect for the Messenger والسلام, and they said, no, you can come under my protection. So he comes back to Mecca under the protection of a non-Muslim. This is a friendly kafir. Abu Talib is a friendly kafir. He supported the Messenger. He protected the Messenger Never took shahada, not even at his deathbed. Not even at his deathbed. His pride got in the way. But nonetheless, he was friendly to the messenger. Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. There's one category. The second category is of a noble enemy. What I mean by a noble enemy is he does show animosity. But if he had become Muslim, he would have been an amazing Muslim. Because when he fights, when, you know, there are also, even in our time, there are noble enemies. They believe in their nation, they believe in some higher ideal. It's not about their personal agenda. They believe in some ideology. That ideology could be false. We're not denying that. But they believe in it, and they're true to it. And they're willing to fight and die for it. An example of that is one of the worst enemies of Islam, actually, Abu Jahl. And now why do I say Abu Jahal is a noble enemy? He has so much potential for good that when the Prophet makes dua for someone to come to Islam, who does he mention by name? Either Umar bin khattab or Umar bin Hasham, which is Abu Jahal. The Messenger sees potential in him. On top of that, Allah sees potential in him. We find, didn't you see? If he, referring to Abu Jahal, if he, had been committed to guidance. And if he would command to taqwa. In other words, now by the way, being committed to guidance and commanding to taqwa is the legacy of Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu anhu. That's his legacy. Allah is showing that potential in who? Abu Jahal. But he has the other side too, right? And you know, and so he took the, he took the other road. One Umar takes the right road, the Amr takes the wrong road, but the potential was there. Potential was there. This is the second enemy. The third kind of enemy doesn't live for a higher ideal, doesn't have any noble characteristics. But he doesn't have anything personal against the Messenger either. It's just his greed, his own agenda, his own you know, political savvy or reputation that he's trying to protect. And to show that reputation, he's showing animosity to the Messenger, but nothing personal, nothing personal. Utbah ibn Rabi'ah, you know, the great debater, the great debater. Walid ibn Mughira, there's a poet, and he wants to show that he's such a high-end poet, nobody can top him in poetry. So when he hears the Quran, he's standing there making faces. Hmm, how do I how do I respond to this you know when, they, when he came back he comes back listening to a Quran they asked him so what do you say is this, uh, is this poetry or what he goes no it's not poetry can't call it poetry because that will invalidate our propaganda clearly this is beyond poetry so what should we say is this like a soothsayer one of those people that just you know spew out nonsense he goes no soothsayers say nonsense this isn't nonsense this is actually pretty beautiful and it's got a lot of sweetness in it it's got sweetness in it <laughs> And then they say, so what should we say? And he says, let me think about it. You know what? Call it magic. Call it magic that causes separation between father and son, husband and wife, tribe and the people, the person and their tribe, call it that. That's that's what you should label it. By the way, before we even go on, magic is not something you hear. Magic is something you see. The Qur'an was not seen. The Qur'an was what? It was heard. The fact that their biggest enemy is able, is willing to call it, by the way, magic is also believing in something that doesn't make sense from, you know, before your eyes it has to be something in the unseen. Some leap of faith when you call something magic. Right? They're willing to take a leap of faith which shows you that even the Kafir acknowledged the miraculous power of the Qur'an. By calling it magic alone, it shows that they couldn't explain it through common sense. This is something beyond. We're We're not willing to accept it from God, so the very next, a leap of faith underneath that is what? Magic. It's still a leap of faith though. It's still an acknowledgement of the power of the Qur'an. They haven't even seen it, they've heard it. But it's mystifying what they hear. They're mesmerized by what they hear. And they're left stunned, so they can't come up with any other description than magic. But this is your third degree of enemy. So you've got the friendly kafir, you've got the noble enemy, you've got the wretched enemy, but nothing personal. What's the worst of the worst? The worst of the worst is the one who hates Islam, تَبَّلْ May this religion be cursed. Haste the religion. Then he says تَبَّلَّكْ Jama'atana, May you be cursed. Did you call us for this? This is Abu Lahab. The worst of the worst of the worst. And I started this dars with this. Why is he mentioned specifically a surah dedicated to one enemy? There are so many enemies of the Prophet no surahs for them. no None of them called by name. Not Abu Jahl, not Uthba, not, not anybody else called by name. Why dedicate a specific surah to him? He is the worst of the worst. Close family, horrible neighbor, his wife is at it, you know, throwing thorns on the path of the messengers, you know, walk out of the house. He's throwing filth into the house. He's attacking the messenger Wasallam. He's the first to insult him publicly, the first historically to insult the messenger publicly, his own uncle Abu Lahab, right? He's the first in many things. He's the first to celebrate the death of, of the passing of his child. Qasim, the first in that too. The first in cursing the Messenger. He's the worst of the worst. So he is the climax of the enemies of the Messenger in the Quran. Now, what's the other climax? Allah Azza wa Jal speaks about four scenarios. It's very easy and beautiful to understand. There are four scenarios for women. So we're talking about the man now, Abu Laha. Who's the woman we're talking about? Um Jamil, Arwa, right? We're talking about her now. There are four domestic situations for women you could have, I'll put it very simply you could have a wonderful woman with a wonderful wali a wonderful woman under the, under the responsibility in a, in, a very, in a wonderful household if you will that example in the Quran is that of Maryam salamu alayha, whose uh, uh, responsibility is she? Zakariya, alayhi salam, wa zakariya so that's one situation a wonderful lady, wonderful guardian That's one scenario. What about you have a wonderful woman, but a terrible guardian? Is that situation also mentioned in the Qur'an? It's also mentioned, Imra'at Fir'aun. Imra'at Fir'aun. The wife of Fir'aun, one of the best women that ever lived, one of the most righteous people that ever lived, but in a terrible domestic situation. So you've got the best and best, and you've got the best woman in the worst situation. What about you have a terrible woman, but she's got a great domestic situation she's got a wonderful wali what about imraat nuhin wa imraata lut what do you find in those cases you, these women are wretched fakhanatuhuma right فخانتاهما. they both were they they were uh, uh, they violated the trust of their husbands who nuh and lut alayhim and their husbands are the, some of the best people that ever lived these are prophets messengers right so you've got the opposite scenario now we've got three situations we've got best of both worlds We've got a great woman in a terrible terrible husband. You've got terrible woman great husband. What's left? Terrible woman Terrible husband that comes to an end in Surah Lahab We come to the climax worst of the worst (laughs) Tag team like I said before two negatives don't make a positive So that theme that is running in the Quran comes to a conclusion here. In Surah Lahab, these two recurring themes, the worst enemy and the worst woman. The worst male enemy and the worst female enemy and the worst kind of female character comes to their climax, both of them, in Surah Lab. Now in concluding commentary, some things about the placement of this surah. Very interestingly, in the previous surah, Allah Azza wa mentioned that which will benefit you in the next life. فَسَبِّحْ بِحَمْدِ رَبِّكَ وَاسْتَغْفِرْهُ tasbih of Allah, hamd of Allah, istighfar to Allah. Where will that really have benefit for you? It has some benefit in this life, where's the real benefit of it? In the next life. In this surah Allah tells us what will have absolutely no benefit in the next life. Ma anhu maluhu wa ma kasab. No benefit in the next life. So there's a contrast between the two. Then we find you know Allah says zuyyina lilladhina kafarul hayatu dunya wa yaskharuna min alladhina amanu. He says in Surah Al-Baqarah, for disbelievers, worldly life was beautified. And as a result, they make fun of those who believe. For dis- Worldly life was beautified for kuffar, and they make fun of those who believe. وَالَّذِينَ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ And people who have taqwa will be above them, not in this world, but Allah says, on the day of resurrection. But in this case, Allah gave His Messenger a sec- uh, an additional gift. Not only will, be, will he be above Abu Lahab in the Akhirah, but also above him in this dunya, he dies this terrible death in the uh, he has that suffering in the Akhira, but also gets the worst, nastiest death in this dunya. So this is a victory granted to the Messenger. And this is consistent with Allah's promise when He says, Allah has declared, I will dominate, I and my messengers. I will overcome. And in the Quran, uh, الروم, right? This word is used for victory in this world. Aflaha. Falah, iflah, this is used for victory and success in the next world. But, you know, uh, for example, Allah says, Rome was dominated. Dominated when? This world, right? So the, the word galaba is different from the word aflaha to succeed or overcome also. Anyhow, the final comment, and this is where, I, where we're concluding, and this is where I want you to remember, when Firaun was compared with Abu Lahab, how was he compared? The word Tab occurs for Abu Lahab, and وَمَا كَيْدُ فِرْعُونَ إِلَّا فِي تَبَابِ Right? Tabab is used for Fir'aun also. So there's a kind of comparison between Abu Lahab and Fir'aun. But what, what did I ask you to remember about Fir'aun? وَصُدَّّ عَنِ السَّبِيلِ In that same ayah where Tabab is mentioned for Fir'aun, Allah says وَصُدَّ عَنِ السَّبِيلِ What does it mean? He was kept from accepting the deen, accepting the path. Now, here, Abu Bakr al-Baqillani wrote in the third century, he wrote a book called Ijazul Qur'an, The Miracle of the Qur'an. And it's, you know, when I read that book, I was really sad, the first page. The first page of that book is very, very sad. He talks about how the miracle of this book, the scholars have given up on it, the Muslims don't appreciate it, they don't value this book for what it is, and we have come to the end of times. He's talking like this in the third century. (laughs) Wait till he sees 2010, huh? SubhanAllah. You know, And he's that depressed in the 3rd century of Islam But anyway, he talks about reviving the idea Of what makes the Qur'an miraculous He talks about its miraculous language But one of the things he says, he argues one of his chapters Is part of the miracle of the Qur'an Are the predictions of the Qur'an The predictions of the Qur'an The Qur'an made a call The call was Rome will dominate Within 10 years Within 10 years, they're gonna make a comeback They were dominated now, within 10 years They'll come back against the Persians The Quraysh heard that and said, come on There's no way. They were crushed and annihilated within 10 years. And this, did it come true? Absolutely. This was a prediction, rather a promise made in the Qur'an. Now, another promise made in the Qur'an, Abu Lahab will be destroyed. And if you didn't already realize, Abu Lahab is one of the sharpest tongues, one of the cleverest enemies against the Prophet ﷺ. One of the easiest ways, easiest ways, The Quran made itself open to attack. Abu Lahab could turn around and say, La ilaha illallah, Muhammadur Rasulullah. If he just says that, even if he says it sarcastically, you know what he could do? He could say, Look, your book says I'm being destroyed, I'm burning in hell, but here I am taking what? Shahada. The Shahada is supposed to do what? Protect me from the hellfire. So I guess your book is wrong. He could do that. He has years to take this opportunity to attack the Messenger in this way. But the Qur'an said about was "sudda anis He was kept from the path. Fir'aun was kept from the path. And he landed himself in tabab. And tabbat yada Abi lahabin wa tab. And what did we do? Miraculously, what did we find in the Qur'an? He's making sarcastic commentary about his hands, saying, hey, my hands still are here. You know? Tabalakuma, may you be destroyed. I don't see anything that Muhammad talked about. That's what he would say publicly. He would make sarcastic commentary. Never once did he take the opportunity to do what? Take shahada. It was open to attack, he never did it. He never did it. And we learn from that well Suddah anis was fulfilled on him too. He was kept from accepting the path. He was kept from it fulfilling the promise of Allah Azza wa Jal. Fulfilling that promise. This is part of the miracle of Quran. When Allah makes a promise and it's guaranteed, it is bound to occur. <inaudible> Whatever you have been promised is guaranteed to occur, no doubts about it. Our final comment is about the placement of this surah. This surah comes, there was Suratul Kafirun, then there was Ida Ja'a Nasrullahi wal Fath, and now there is Tabad Yada Abi Lahabin Watab. Suratul Kafirun concluded that there are two distinct religions. There are two distinct religions. There's the deen of Islam and there's whatever you people have. Now, one of them is true and one of them is false. One deen is true, one deen is al-haq, the other one is false, al-ba'atil. In al Isra, in surah number 17, Allah Azza wa Jal says, al wa zahaqal In al kana He says the truth will manifest. The truth will manifest and the falsehood will dissipate. The falsehood will be destroyed. So now Allah makes first of all in Surah al-Kafir we learned there are two deens. Deenukum, deenukum waliyad deen. Now we're learning one deen is haq and the other deen is Batil And what did Allah say about haq? It will come, it will arrive, and what will happen to Baatil? It will be destroyed. Now listen. Ida Ja'a Nasrullah is al haqq That's surah. Surah Nasr, is Allah fulfilling the promise of al Haq. What is Surat Lahab? al batil Falsehood being destroyed. Falsehood coming to an end. That promise Allah made in Surah Al-Isra in two statements. جَاءَ الْحَقُّ al batil Is being fulfilled at the end of Qur'an. is a manifestation of al Haqq, the truth coming. And the second, the falsehood being dissipated. al batil This is Tabbat Yada Abi Lahab bin Watab. Subhanallah. How Allah Azza wa Jalla. You know, uh, of my teacher, Rahimahullah, one of my great teachers, Dr. Asar Ahmed used to describe: Allah plants a seed somewhere and shows the flower blooming somewhere else. And this happens all over the Quran. He plants the seed, so something small, he'll say, and then it comes in full bloom somewhere else. We learned that before in this series when Ibrahim made a dua, he said, من الثمرات. Make this a peaceful city, provide its children all kinds of fruit, and that, that seed." turned into a flower where? Two flowers where? At the end of Qur'an. So you find Surah Fil about the peace of this city. And you find, you know, the, ne- the next Surah, Allah Azza wa Jalla talks Surah quraysh about what? The fruits of this city, the, how they get to enjoy fruits. So something small is some someplace and it manifests in full bloom in another place. May Allah Azza wa Jalla give us an appreciation of the remarkable beauty of the Qur'an. May Allah make us of those who recite it properly day and night. And understand it. May Allah make us of those who fulfill this wonderful hadith of the Prophet. He says, and I'd like to conclude it with it, Ya Ahlul Qur'an, people of Quran, La Tatawassadul Quran, don't relax with the Quran. Don't be laxadaisical about the Quran. tatawassadu actually literally means don't turn it into a pillow. Don't lean on it. Watluhu, min anail Read it like it deserves to be read. Follow it like it deserves to be followed in all, all hours of the night and day. Wafshuhu and spread it. وتقنوهُ and beautify it. وتدبروا فيهِ and reflect deeply in it. لعلكم تفلحون so that all of you may succeed. Allahumma جعلنا من المفلحين may Allah make us from those who succeed. BarakAllahu li وَلَكُمْ فِي الْقُرْآنِ الْحَكِيمِ وَنَفَعَنِ wa 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 barakatuh.